Hey guys, what is up? Welcome back to another episode of the Elite Investing Show. And very recently I had Chris Vafiatis, who's a Greek investor, and he's been investing around for a while. I got to have him on the podcast. It was a great opportunity, great talk. And I'm certain that you're going to enjoy this episode. Let's go. Thank you so much for being on my podcast, Chris. Hey, good to have you here, man. What's up? Good. How are you doing? Oh, great. You know, a lot of uh, studying these days and uh, a lot of investing, too, with you guys, seeing what we do. All the time we're reading stuff. <laughs> yep. It's an addiction, really, yeah. Really good. Investing, because, yeah, investing becomes an addiction, you know, once you're good yep. at it. <laughs> yeah, that green is good, right? <laughs> yeah. So, could you tell the audience a little about how you got started as an investor? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I think and it was... got like into the investing field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's really it's really funny because the 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 thing that I hated most was the, the university back in my time, like three years ago. I was in a place where I, I saw university as a place where you just got a degree to get a job and nothing more. But uh, so that pushed me to search more into why I was doing uh, all this thing and studying all day. And why are you doing it? Is it to get a job or is it to actually grow from to something? So Perfect. with all of this, I yeah, I talked to a lot of people. I disregarded a lot of people, too. I figured out that some people just wanted mediocre stuff in life. So I got them aside. And uh, through all this process, I just found uh, one guy. It was a, a young teacher of mine. That he actually got into university studying about the time that I just started searching. So I just bumped into him and he was already investing in all that. So we, we, we got together. I did a project with him with some modeling and all that. So we just built like a, like a paper trading portfolio just to get started. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's where I started seeing the potential in there. That's where I fell in love with all the mixing stuff together and uh, getting a profit out of it. But in the same time, helping good companies make a difference. That's the thing, I think. Right. Yeah. And what exactly is your investment philosophy and strategy? How exactly do you go about finding investments? Mm. Uh, three, three things I would break it down to is uh, financials, numbers, Second is strategic positions. So if a company is uh, positioned well in the market to achieve some goals that I would like to see from the company. And third, of course, is the the management organizational. Like I want to see the numbers are good, but I want also to know if management can uh, achieve these numbers, not only state them. So I would would say there are like three main value drivers in the thing I'm investing. And what exactly do you look for in a company? So, like, what kind of numbers? Mm, so, you, you want to talk about financials, right? So uh, I mean, like, do you look for, like, fast growth, or do you look for, like, you know, something that's selling below cash, you know, trying to find, like, a Graham kind of... Uh, anything, kind of that I can, anything that I consider a safety margin with a big upside, really. So, it, it really comes down to either an industry 
or different uh, types of companies. So you, it's not one formula and goes for all. So you got to look and feel the company first, see where it's struggling with, see their sensitivities, their weaknesses. So for example, you know that we broke down writer system back uh, a couple of days ago in the you know uh, in the chat. So this company, what it had is you could see that it's if you see it from the upset and like glance over it, everything is good. But once you realize what sock what cycle we're in, if you see that it's an industrial company and the fact that a little bit of pressure would turn it to die from their own capital expenditures. Because at this point, they need to invest that much money to just maintain their lease companies and all that. Uh, it's something really pondered. So you're going to be adaptive. You're going to change your views and see where we're at, cycle-wise, macro-wise, and then just uh, figure out if it's worth uh, investing in. Is it possible for you to like generalize You know, uh, how you would find a margin of safety? Yeah. Uh, if a, if a, if a company's it, it's been around for a while right so if if you have an old company i would uh i would be kind of more already i won't be that uh, that demanding of it so for example if you if i invest in a, a small cap right if i invest in a small cap that uh was founded 5 years ago I'm probably going to require, uh, from my valuation perspective, around 30% from the what I value it as a fair value per share. And of course, I would need to have a check both on management, organizational and strategic to go along at it. Now, if we're talking mid cap or large cap that have a lot of history behind them, I know that their management is good. So obviously, a company, if it's around for hundred years probably has had a couple of good managements at, at least so it's much easier to go through these companies because they have a long histories a lot of historicals to analyze and break down so with these I go with probably 20% from fair and again organizational and strategic need to be a check to go along and what has been your favorite investment so far uh, personally, would you like to know the would you like to know the the high return one or the one that I enjoyed I enjoyed the most? The one that you enjoyed the most. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. I think it was a. I think it was a short, right? So, it was the NLV back in the day, and uh, I was seeing that uh, the company had some issues with a. Uh, both the management, so organizational issues, and uh, in in the market issues as well. So we couldn't push their product, nor did they could margin, like uh, cut the cost, so they increased their margin, so they were basically drowning. So I had all the checks that I needed to go short, and I went short not quite big, because I didn't think it would be that big of a, a deal, that big of a, an error going into the company. I couldn't figure out all the picture. But once I got in, I, I think I went in with 1.5%, something like that. So I, I go in and uh, it was the second week that I, I just woke up and it had dropped like uh, 40% in like half a week from then, something like that. So it ended up, could I check the price really quick? I don't remember it was, let me see what the price drop was. 
It's a lot of money though, forty percent in half a week. <laughs> oh, you cannot imagine. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So we were at uh, back in September. That was so at twentieth September we were at uh, around thirty six, and that. Uh, at uh, one month later we were seventy six percent. ENLV. Okay. So they basically gave uh, a 70% plus drop within half a month. Wow. Yeah, I didn't even expect that. So I didn't go heavy in it, but I still got a nice profit. That well, it was a really wild ride. It just kept dropping and dropping and dropping. It just made, you know, the money just kept coming and coming and coming. Yeah, it's more it's money and affirmation too. Because if you see something's wrong and you end up being right, it feels good to be right. Mm -hmm. No, <laughs> yeah. And what was your favorite? What was the highest return you've ever made on a trade? The high what? The highest return you've ever made on a trade. A trade or an investment, like an investment. You really got to see the time value too, because I could be making a hundred percent but keeping for six years, or I could be making fifty percent and keeping it for three months, and that works. So I think what ENLV was a uh, percent. That's why is one of the biggest. I mean, but, like absolute return, like instead of not like annualized, like absolute. Absolute returns. I think when I I bought some Apple back when it. Uh, severely dropped back with a Qualcomm lawsuit and all that. I think I immediately just uh, went in heavy and the, the stock due to its value and name, it just it just lifted up as well, like pretty fast. So it's it's pretty safe too because it's Apple, you know, you're, gonna, you're not going to have like such a bumpy ride. You know, it's good management, good company yeah, strategy. Yeah. So it just went up. Yeah. But a lot of I I can't I can't figure out one single one because usually when I go in I expect uh, the same upsides to all of them so uh, all of them range from at least forty to fifty percent return to maybe a hundred hundred and thirty I think Apple was was cap like around sixty or fifty something yeah but that's the range. So it's worth about fifty dollars, and then he sold it for like one fifty. Something like that, yeah. Something yeah. like that. It's a, it's a pretty, I wish I could have gone in Tesla really, though, before it read that much. What it, what is Tesla's yeah. wild ride? I mean, like Tesla's like, like Tyler, like the uh, like Robinhood grilled is short Tesla. So are you also short Tesla? What's your opinion on Tesla? Uh, I I view it as a as a rocket ship that could go both up in space and down to the depths of hell so i'm not sure really when i value it i usually get stuck a lot in the discount that i want from it so I, i'm having trouble quantify the risk of musk failing and people not seeing him as a a mode like a person actually he's a a person that is a mode right so the mode of the business is basically mask himself so I'm having trouble discounting properly and seeing uh, what's the risk here, because it's different. It's difficult to transfer all that 
qualitative stuff and how people view Musk and the Tesla to numbers. But I, I would say at this point, I'm waiting to, to have a little bit more margin of safety and I would be short Tesla from now on due to its uh, price increase these past few days. And uh, what do you think of, you know, Musk has been like indicted or like several, like he had to pay 30 million fine for, you know, uh, you know, the funding secure tweet. And then recently the cyber truck, yeah, yeah. You know, it was either like, it's either like trying to become popular or, you know, the glass just, the glass just broke. And there's, uh, there's been like several things been going on in Tesla. So what do you think of Tesla's reputation right now? Do you think that the mode is going away because of, you know, Musk doing, you know, st stupid stuff and... What's your opinion on that? Uh, the uh, the mode will probably go away when people catch up to Tesla. When because it's a race here. If Tesla achieves the the if Tesla succeeds in connecting people's heads with uh, electric cars and Tesla, if these two merge with Tesla, that's a success story that probably goes on forever. But I don't see that happening because there are big companies already with a brand name. So Mercedes, BMW, or uh, all of them actually, I think, are getting into EVs right now. So at some point, they're probably going to catch up to Tesla and uh, Tesla will lose its mode of uh, technology ads or being the first to scale this business of EVs. So I that's, mean, I know, think... Tesla has just recently hit like all-time highs as well, so... Do you think it's a good time to go short, personally? Uh, close to it. Close to it. I'm getting close to my my ideal short entry. So where would you go short? 420? Uh, I think it would be... <clears throat> like it would 420 be is like an infamous price. So. And, uh, 420 would be really interesting to see if Musk goes and tweets something, because... What would people say if he actually took it private now and just go in for 420 and it delisted and went private? It would be insane. I don't think he'll do it though. He's not. I don't personally think he's an asshole. He just. Uh, he's just. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think he's just being an honest guy, and uh, I think he's really a, a scientist trying to be a businessman, and that's I think it's uh, his biggest failure because he cannot see that you can run a business as a scientist. You can only run it as a businessman, and he cannot be a businessman. He's a great scientist. And, you know, like, like yeah. Steve Jobs did the same. You know, Steve Jobs hired Tim Cook to manage the business, while Steve Jobs, you know, managed like the invention and the design of the iPhone. Yeah, yeah, for sure. If you hear stories of people working at Apple back in the day when Steve was in it, especially in the first days, you'll hear that he was uh, a dictator. Really, he just. Uh, uh, went when working and working and working he was shouting all the time he was firing people because he you, you've seen the movie when he actually got rid of one of the head programmers because he didn't feel he was passionate enough for the for apple yeah i, I don't think i think uh, he must have had a lot of good management behind him and all, and all of colleagues that really saved the situation because i don't think a business can be run just uh, from people being passionate about something. You have to have some structure in it. So you can't be firing your head programmer just because he talked to you in a way that you thought was not passionate enough and get rid of him. Okay, so someone's going to find another 
guy to put into the same position. So I think he had a great team overall. That's why he succeeded. He didn't have all the aspects that you need to succeed. Some people help him. Right, and Elon Musk is just trying to do it all himself. You know, he's trying to run three, com- three or four companies at the same time, and now and he's not running uh, like either of them well. <laughs> mm. Yeah, he's he's trying to run them in a way that he thinks works, but it's uh, you can't be not working. <laughs> you see that it's necessarily he wants to go and be unlawful or do illegal stuff but he doesn't i don't think he even thinks of it that oh this shouldn't be posted he just he just goes for it like a regular person would he he cannot realize that he's not a regular guy he has some legal responsibilities (laughs) and Going away from Tesla, I wanted to ask you, you've personally dealt in a lot of, you know, small cap, micro cap companies. So don't you think like there's a risk in, you know, just doing penny stocks? Uh, penny stocks. Uh, as an investor, I wouldn't really touch penny stocks. Penny stocks meaning uh, Nasdaq defines penny stocks as stocks uh, below $5, I think. So I would consider a penny stock below $1. And at that case, a lot of problems occur because uh, you have to do research that you don't have enough resources to these companies. You cannot find news on them really easily. Filings may be delayed a lot of times. Odyssey Markets is a mess generally. So it's really hard to even get started digging into these companies. Plus, they are so small that they can just evaporate in days. So... Uh, I mean, like you've dealt in like quite a few like unknown companies. Like your favorite trade, I haven't like heard of it since like unless the NLV. Yeah, yeah. NLV was popping up and uh, it went to it went really fast up. So that's why it caught my eye. It went back to thirty in a small small time frame. That's why it caught my eye. I mean, like. Like you're not like the typical investor like who deals in like large cap companies like you know most investors just tend to hold like Apple, Facebook, no, or, no. uh you know you really. tend it's to just, uh, like the small cap companies. You gotta be strict with those companies. You gent uh, sometimes you see uh, I, I I've got through it myself when I see a, a stock that I like drop a lot and it might will go so let's say the company is at right now at hundred bucks. And uh, my fair value is plus a 20% discount. It stands at $60, okay? So rationally, what I say is when we drop to $6, I'm going to enter after evaluating if the business is still the same and it's worth it. So a lot of times when a company goes to from 100 to 70, it's still not in my target. So margin is not yet 20%. But a lot of times I'm getting kind of into the mood maybe I should get in or shouldn't I maybe I get in shouldn't I so I'm keeping I'm keeping myself accountable when I say that it's 20% or nothing or I'm not going in really so this applies to mid caps or large caps that have some history otherwise it's 30% and I'm also more strict on management with these recent companies because uh, 
I've seen some stuff, you know, when you, you're in the markets for a while and you read a lot of pages of 10Ks and 8Ks and all that, and you, you start seeing managements, sometimes they go for things that you say they're their suicide, but they couldn't see it. So I'm just really strict with recent companies because these recent companies have not yet matured. So they're trying to grow in any way possible. And sometimes they go above what they should to reach that growth. Right. And, you know, management is an integral part of the business. You know, like the whole part of whether the growth happens or not is because of management. And, you know, whether the company is going to be stable or not is also because of management. So how do you, like, analyze management? Like, you can't, like, you can't, like, quantify, you know, management. So how do you personally analyze it? You know, in a couple of the small caps, you can actually email them or call them. (laughs) So if you go to some sites, you can find their mailing boxes or have their emails or their usually their secretary email so some 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 of these small caps have ready made uh, letters that they send back automatically if you send them a message asking about their ceo or the condition of the business like organizationally and all that and you, you can get pretty much all the stuff that you already know from the public releases the filings but you can some some types and some uh, Companies like ENLV, I remember I emailed some people in there. I get, I got some emails and I sent them emails. So there was some talks that the CEO was about to leave, which uh, haven't yet made it to the internet. So it, not that it makes huge difference. It will get out eventually. Isn't that like inside information though? Uh, not really. Uh, I, don't, I don't really know if it's illegal or not. Probably could be, but I think... If you get to talk a lot of people, if you, for example, let's say your friend works at a business and you talk to him. So whatever he says to you is considered insider trading, right? Because if you, if you ask him about his business and this business is publicly traded, whatever he says to you about the business is probably insider trading, right? <laughs> so I don't know, maybe I got lucky or uh, I really like to email some people in there or get them to get them the ratings of the employers or the employees on on Glassdoor or anything like that because people value their work uh, colleagues a lot of times in Glassdoor and also the usual background check uh, like uh, if they have any litigations or lawsuits their past companies that they do did business with some people have like some CFOs have had 30 companies in their careers that they ran so you have to see what is that what, a good what, thing though uh maybe is that a good thing it could be yeah because uh uh alexion pharmaceuticals has a cfo that has worked at uh i think it was pepsi it was uh johnson and johnson it was general electric it was uh well it was another three or four companies before he eventually got into alexion so He's really solid. He's a really solid guy. And if you go back and see what was a company like and all the companies that he did run back in the day for the periods that he ran them, you could see that uh, everything worked out smoothly and the the financials were on point. And, you know, as an investor, what's the biggest lesson that you've learned from being in the market? Save money. 
yeah, save money because even if you make a hundred a hundred percent returns with a thousand bucks, you're still at <laughs> a really small amount and you're not considered rich. So save your money. Yeah, I would say save your money and invest it. Start don't don't start trading necessarily because trading is really easy to get into the mindset of quick money, which is not. <laughs> really, there there are free money out there. There are going to be opportunities when you see something get here. It's going to be intraday, and you could make a lot of money out of it. But saying that you're a day trader really, eventually, will kill your money if you're just starting out in the market. So I would say start small, start with uh, big companies and go through their filings because these big companies like Apple have a lot of detailed filings. They're really on point with their accounting because they're the image of the market, really. <laughs> so they're really on point. So they break down everything in their filing. So get into it and have it side by side with your browser. Whenever you see a term that you don't understand, go and search it up. It, it, everything is in the internet these days. So it's pretty, it just requires time, really, to get you it. And do you use technical analysis at all? Sure. Do you trade yeah. at all? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, so with technical analysis, no, you know, technical analysis is not what you, at least what I, I, when I got into contact with people from the institutional industry or people that do, I would say, like private equity trading, could you say that? Yeah, of course, I think you could. So not like private equity investing, but rather trading like prop firms, but with closed end funds of a closed circle of people. What they say is uh, it's not the technical analysis of these lines that people draw these days. I don't know what they come from. It's, they just draw straight lines horizontally and say these are the levels. What levels is? It's idiotic to think that if you see these lines and you draw two horizontal lines, you say, okay, this stock is in a range. It, because it might be in a range, sure. Okay, it's a range. It's in a range, okay? So what what's what's of use to it? To, so what 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 this information could do for you, right? So you can see a line here, a line here, and say, Oh, this this stock is in range. So what if in the next ten minutes it just breaks out? Then you're gonna say, Oh, it broke out. Is it technical analysis? So you're just stating the facts that you're seeing something. Okay, I'm seeing this line fits uh, exactly with this trend line. Okay, so we have an uptrend. And what if it breaks in the in the next five days? Are you gonna say this trend line stands or now it's broken? And when it it's no use for you. It's really a lagging thing to just uh, observe things in the chart, right? But uh, what I'm seeing in charts is. Uh, uh, what can I? What are some useful stuff that I looked into technical, technical chart? Uh, I could view technical analysis more in a, that it, it helps me see the difference between the companies, or maybe see some correlations with them, or maybe yeah, I would say pretty much correlations is number one because it's a. Uh, in a, a way that you can see the actual correlation and not just have the numbers of variance and uh, beta and alpha and uh, blah 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 all that you could just see the correlations and maybe 
of course, if you're going to see a stock chart being uh, like that and it dropped, uh, if it's a, a billion market cap company that dropped uh, 80%, of course, you're going to search for a bottom. Is there a bottom here? If you're going to see that every time it reaches $3, people start buying and the volume is high, you could see, you could observe and say that maybe there's someone buying here because they think their valuation is close to $3. But unless you go and search for it yourself and confirm it, I think just technical analysis is uh, just a way of viewing things instead of going to the filings and taking hours to draw that perspective. Because let me give you an example. You can see that ELTK or all these small caps that do all the pump and dump stocks, right? If you went to the filings, you would have to go to all the four to, four to five uh, B4s, B3s, S3s, itself, the offerings, all that they do. So if you just simply open the chart, you could have seen that the stock just pumps and dumps, pumps and dumps. You, you immediately know the outcome and what the business is for. That's, that's the point that I view on a chart. Otherwise, if you see a lot of institutional trading, I'm talking with a lot of people from the London Stocks Exchange. So what they do is they could be, maybe one of them told me that he hadn't looked at a chart in like three or four days while at work. So you see that these people just read numbers and stuff and uh, get to know actually what is the underlying environment of what we're looking at. And then, of course, they would look at a price chart to get the quick information of price, volume, demand, all that. So you just look at charts to, you know, see the points where institutions are buying. So like if I say like Dollar Tree, there's a high amount of volume. So yeah, the VWAP and the all that, all that stuff that people might might trigger some valuations to enter the the company. For example, Cloud Cloudera, that's one of my longs. I saw that it, it had a bottom around five bucks, and then I started researching and researching. So I started reaffirming the. I backed the fact that it, it indeed it had like a valuation around that at the time. And what do you know? When one month later there was announced that Ecan bought some stakes in the business. So there goes to show you that you could see the volume and it shows you if people are moving in or or tandem. I think back in the day tandem has a lot of volume at around two thirty or two forty. You could see a lot of volume being pumped in the stock. And uh, the offering just got absorbed at that price immediately, and it just went to the moon afterwards. Uh, yep, so that's it for me. Maybe some intraday trading, I would say. I would just, I don't know really, I don't know how to describe it. I just, I, I just started trading and trading and trading, and you, you get to see Lots sometimes you patterns. get patterns. Yeah, yeah, and not necessarily patterns. You just uh, get to feel the the price action. I just uh, sometimes you're right, sometimes you're wrong. That's why it's uh, I've used I've used I've used uh, I view the the whole thing as a gamble trading. So if you're right more than you're wrong, which is probably around sixty forty or maybe your risk reward. That's not doesn't necessarily make a difference for me because you're getting forty cents, like thirty five cents or. You just right or wrong. If you get to spend a lot of time and you have a lot of money to burn, you're just gonna see five hundred thousand charts, let's say, and you're gonna have some type of intuition about what's might happen. 
And if it happens, you make money. If it doesn't, you don't. <laughs> so that's the point, I think, of trading. And moving on to a more macro question, what do you personally think of the trade war and have you been taking advantage of any opportunities offered by it, offered by the amount of volatility the trade war has produced? Mm. I mean, uh, like last December, like a lot of the, you know, tech stocks collapsed, like, you know, Apple, like all the semiconductors, they collapsed. Did you like get in on any of them? Yeah, I get what you're saying. Uh, this year, Mainly this year, the only thing that Trade Wars were, did is further increase the already overvalued stocks. So it didn't do much good for me because <laughs> I wouldn't like overvalued to get even more overvalued unless I want right. to short it. And I don't really want to short like Apple I, because I don't, I'm fearful of what can hold it in place. I'm fearful that people could go in and in and in forever on Apple without it even dropping massively. So I would rather go short big on the really volatile stocks like Tesla and that could go in a day. <laughs> yeah, you get that. Let me and, check and what was the price. Yeah, All right. what All was right. the price of uh, back in December that I, let me check. Give me a sec here. Should be around so, 300. No, 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 we don't. Yeah, so I think I I got in at Apple around 150 something like when it was back in the December at the drop that you were referring to with it uh -huh. back in December and I think around I got out around that I got out around that uh it had like a plateau at some point around where was it where was it was it somewhere around here like 230 was it around 230 I think it was around 230 yeah Okay, but so you uh, got yeah, fifty got out at two thirty. That's what I got from the trade war. Yeah, I think the December drop was what a lot of investors could get take advantage of. Right. Although it wasn't really the trade war, it just uh, the cause was the trade war. I think the 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 fear or greed of the markets is far more macro than any trade war could comprehend <laughs> or control. It's just uh, the cause. If it wasn't for trade wars, someone something else would come and wake up people or make them fearful. And do you think we're headed to a recession anytime soon? Oh, I'm not gonna answer that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Nobody knows. I think everybody's talking and talking and talking. I don't think they know. Nobody and knows. Yeah, we could go forever. <laughs> <laughs> and to wrap up the interview, I wanted to ask you if you had to give some words of advice anybody who's going to start investing tomorrow what would it be don't trade don't waste your money for mentoring uh for traders don't waste your money to all these people that say trading is easy or i have some strategies to offer you first that's it because i've seen a lot of people especially when you get in and you're new at this the first thing you're going to see is yeah, no, it's the first thing you're going to see while going into the investing industry you're not going to see the guy that is that's, that's telling you this is hard and you're going to make 2% until you learn and you're going to make like your, your investment will take effect in 50 years from now. You're just going to see the fast growing traders that make 5,000 per day and they're living their lives, which I think they're not even financial people because if you think about it, the only thing that they provide sometimes if they go in with limit orders is providing liquidity. That's all they do in the markets. They don't have some use for the markets. They don't correct markets. They don't 
buy opportunities, they don't see value. They could go long Apple when it was peaking just because it gapped up 2% and it ha it's going to have volatility. Right. That's their only purpose. Their purpose is just to yeah, grab absolutely. money and get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would say don't spend your money there. I would say bid a lot. Uh, get into the filings. And I would, uh, what would I say really? Find people that do the same thing. Find people that you see that are not sweet-talking you their way to the investment world or the financial mm -hmm. world in general. Find people that just are real with you and not trying to sell you anything. Because I've, I've had some people that just wanted to help me without actually wanting to sell, sell me anything. And that helped me a lot because these people are going to be there sometimes when you need them without any cost. And uh, that comes to the, the another point that I want to make is don't spend your money. Generally, don't spend it on uh, buying uh, $2,000 courses or buying uh, $3,000 books. Or I'm not gonna okay. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna endorse piracy here about the books being <laughs> online. Okay, so but what I want to say is you can see that a lot of courses are already at MIT or Yale do another right. a lot of courses that are financial uh, literated. So I think you're gonna think get YouTube as well. So yeah, you're gonna get a pretty good view of what finances but uh the the final point is it's just reading a lot of reading and what's and if you had to recommend some books what would they be since you brought up the uh, topic of books um books and personally what have been your favorites on investing let me check. i have some books here let me see i'm like thinking conventional like, yeah, I, I could say Intelligent Investor, which is indeed a really nice book, but um, I think people are already going to know this one, so I think I won't be of any use. Let me think if I can have something to... Hmm. I have one Greek book that it's... I don't know if it's been translated. It's from Richard Simmons, so it's probably going to be from him now. It's Richard Simmons. It's, uh, it's called uh, Warren Buffett. So this guy just uh, stalked Warren Buffett for his life and what he did is he wrote a book and uh, he took all of his investments that returned a lot of money and he broke down mm -hmm. all of them like year by year. What Warren did this year on this investment, this year on this investment. So it's it's like a mini book inside of the book for every company uh, that you return a lot of money with. That's one book I would wow. invest. It's from Richard Simmons, Warren Buffett. I would invest... Probably I could even buy this this book, the second one. It's called Corporate Finance by Brilli. It's an industry standard book studying uh, people. I think that's what they use at MIT and Harvard as well. It's called Corporate Finance by Brilli. A really big book. I think it's like three thousand pages or something. But it's, you're gonna get uh, what you're gonna get from this is a lot of. Um, knowledge in debt, fixed securities, what uh, management does, financials, accounting, time value of money. This is really important. Uh, and all of that, sure. interest rates, macro, and all that. I would think uh, you, you could go into MIT and see all their curriculums and what books they're using and go read them. Academics are really good books there. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you so much for being on my podcast, man. No Have a great evening. Yeah, you too, man. Sure.